Language Talk is a series of podcasts of interest to Kentucky World Language Association members seeking information about important events, initiatives, and professional development opportunities. Each month, we will be talking with people in the know about world languages from across the state. Topics range from collaboration to the program review, from ACTFL News to interviews with master teachers. Language Talk is produced monthly by the Kentucky World Language Association Board and the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Kentucky. Welcome to Language Talk KWLA. This is your host, Laura Roche Youngworth, and co-hosting with me today is Dr. Jean-Marie Rouillet-Willoughby, Department Chair of Modern and Classical Languages, Literatures, and Cultures at the University of Kentucky creator of the World Language Clearinghouse, located on KWLA's website, and the producer of Language Talk KWLA podcasts. Welcome, Jean-Marie. Thanks, Laura. Our topic today is national updates, what news and trends are happening with world languages across our nation. Joining us by phone is Dr. Jackie Van Houten, World Language Specialist for Jefferson County Public Schools, former World Language and International Education Consultant for the Kentucky Department of Ed and the 2015 ACTFL President. Welcome, Jackie. Hi, Laura. How are you? Great, great. I want to thank you for taking the time to share with our Language Talk listeners about national trends happening. And, Jackie, you've got a really unique, rich history with world languages, and your nomination as ACTFL's President has, I'm sure, kind of added to that a richer layer and we are so fortunate to have you, uh, the Kentucky educators. Is there anything that's kind of stood out with you so far with this half-year term you've had so? Well, I can tell you I've been living out of a suitcase constantly. <laughs> it's been a wonderful experience. Um, I have been able to meet so many fabulous teachers and educators across the country going to the various regional conferences and see them present, um, visit some classrooms, but also advocating for language um, has been a wonderful experience as well. I recently was at the Joint National Committee on Languages, JNCL Advocacy Days, and was able to meet with the Senate leadership, um, Senator McConnell, in his leadership office in the Capitol, not um, his Senate office, wow. and also Senator Rand Paul, and try to get some of the important messages that we need um, out there to them so that they can look for bills and ways to help support language and, and fund some initiatives for us. That's amazing. Well, let's talk about policy. At the national level, what are you seeing out there? Um, well, from a national perspective, I can share with you that I met with the Secretary of Education, Ari Duncan, and with the Deputy Assistant Secretary, um, um, Mohammed Abdul Kader. He's in the Office of International and Foreign Language Education. And both are involved in the long overdue reauthorization of ESEA, the Elementary um, and Secondary Education Act. Hmm. That's what we currently know still as No Child Left Behind. Um, we have been advocating for a long time, um, ACTFL as well as JFC, that more interest in language learning at the K-20 level be included in the current legislation. Um, so we're working to promote amendments to have that happen. Um, it's, it's not in there yet. They aren't reauthorizing the bill yet, but um, they are working on it, and we're working to get it into the amendments. I guess probably the most important grassroots policy um, that's spreading across the country is the SEAL by literacy. Tell us the about SEAL that. Is, 
Mm -hmm. The seal is an award made by um, a State Department of Education or a local district to recognize students that have attained proficiency in English and one other world language by high school graduation. The recognition of attaining biliteracy actually becomes part of a high school transcript and diploma for these students. Huh. So do they have to have a certain level to attain the certificate of biliteracy? Um, it depends on the state um, or the district who designs the criteria, but recently ACTFL and the National Association of Bilingual Education, NABE, the Council of State Supervisors for Languages, NCESPL, and TESOL, um, International Association, recently published guidelines for states and districts to set criteria for the SEAL, and we're recommending that we start the recognition at the intermediate mid-level of proficiency. It can go on up from that if the state chooses to give two or three different levels of recognition. But by the way, this was a really unprecedented collaboration um, of world language and English language learning educators. And we have two groups coming together to really support this effort. So Jackie, you mentioned that um, it's possible that in No Child Left Behind or the, the re-upping of the bill, there will be attention to language, which you're advocating for, which concerns all of us, of course, at the university level as well as in um, public schools or private schools for that matter. But um, one of the things that seems to be the focus of attention these days is STEM. And it seems that the the lack of language learning in this country, which is reaching critical masses according to uh, professional organizations and various other um, surveys of labor statistics, like the Bureau of Labor Statistics, gets pushed under the carpet a little bit in favor of STEM. Do you think that uh, there will be actual progress in this regard to try to get language on the, not necessarily on the level of STEM, but into the conversation? Well, it's interesting you mentioned STEM because STEM actually came from um, the Gathering Storm, which was a report created for the American Academy of, of Arts and Sciences, and that AAAS group is currently working on a study for which they will have a report in 2016 on the need for languages to make us a competitive nation. So we, uh, Axel and the JNCL, are looking to this AAAS report as being the basis for our pushing forward with that Lead with Languages campaign on a national basis to get something started like happened with STEM. So, uh, you know, it's nothing's going to come in a quick fix, but it looks like things are coming together. Certainly across the country there's been a big push for global competitiveness. Um, preparing graduates of, of high school and college to be ready for the workforce with an international mindset and those skills that will make them competitive. We just have to keep pushing on the idea that language is an important one of those skills. Thanks, that's great news. Yeah. So the certificate, the biliteracy certificate is one step. What states have already approved this? Um, well, there are nine states and um, the District of Columbia. They're in California, New York, Texas, New Mexico, um, Louisiana, Minnesota, Illinois, Washington, and most recently, Indiana. And Massachusetts, I know, has had um, talks in their legislature already. They've had, had testimony, so we're waiting on that outcome. Is Kentucky looking at this? 
we are. Um, we are looking at it in, in a couple of different ways. Um, when I was at the DOE, I introduced the idea that the commissioner and the Kentucky State Board of Education, and now our uh, consultant, Alfonso de Torres Nunez, is taking up the cause there. Great. In addition, um, there's support from legislators being sought by many, including Kentucky TESOL and KWLA board members. Um, in JCPS in Jefferson County, we're having discussions with our ESL and world language directors and district administrators. Um, I'm working actually with uh, Crystal Ortman and Lucas Gravett and others to create a task force that would bring together two groups of people to work on this. One would be those who could support us um, in, in name only, not actually not be the workforce, um, but business leaders and, and legislators and others who feel the importance of it, and then an actual working group that would be the contacts to those organizations that would um, help us get legislation passed or through the Department of Education. Because you can go two ways on this. You can either go through the Department of Education or through the legislature, but the best, of course, is to have them both together um, right. on the same playing field. That's so exciting. Yeah, and what's the timeline? Uh, we're having our first meeting within the next month. Um, I would suggest if anyone wants to be a part of this, just to let me or Lucas grab it or uh, Crystal Ortman at Georgetown College know. Okay, great. Good to know. Now, moving on, Jackie, what about curriculum? What's happening across the United States regarding any trends with curriculum? Um, well, it, you know, when you say trends, that <laughs> it, it scares me a little bit because trends um, come and go, um, and I think what I'm seeing is not something that will come and go, but something that will stay. And that, of course, is that proficiency approach to teaching and learning. But to help us in the curriculum, Axel has refresh the standards um, and with the emphasis in every discipline on career and college readiness and on global competence the standards collaborative board which you may not know is not actually actful um, but it's a group of representatives from 16 language national language organizations they've decided to refresh the standards and so we have a stronger emphasis now on the development of stronger literacies for learners k-12 12, 16, 16, 20, and beyond, yeah. and with the added value of world readiness. So there, there are some changes in the standards, and they're evident in the language that's used to describe, describe the goals. Um, we've gone from talking about students to talking about learners, so that we understand okay. learning as a lifelong process. Um, and also so that it doesn't have to be teacher-directed all the time because people are learning on their own, autonomously out there on the web or face-to-face -face with uh, their experiences, whatever. Um, we've also gone from talking about engaging in conversations to interacting and negotiating meaning with language. That's, that's big. That's an impact. It's a different way of looking at how we're using language. And we've gone from understanding and interpreting language to understanding, interpreting, and analyzing what is heard, read, or viewed. So the aspect of viewing, but with a deeper analysis to it. And then we've gone from demonstrating an understanding of the relationship between practices and products and their perspectives of the culture studied to using language to investigate, explain, and reflect on those relationships. 
that's that's huge. It's not looking at culture apart, but it's using the language with the knowledge of the culture to interact effectively. So uh, I see, you know, this having a uh, a big impact coming up. So how do you think it will affect the uh, classroom practice? Because proficiency is still part of it, obviously, but there are also some shifts in the um, focus or the way it's assessed. Sure. Well, I, I think it will push teachers to place a strong emphasis on what students can do with language rather than what they can learn about language. Um, and this, in turn, will necessitate a greater understanding of the proficiency scale that we use in our Kentucky standards, um, knowing how to develop your thematic units, and structure your questioning techniques to advance learners. Um, it'll also move us toward a greater use of authentic materials to build partnership relationships with language speakers in the community or in the classrooms in other countries, um, to an increased use of problem or project-based learning scenarios so that we can offer our learners opportunities that they need to practice the language for a real purpose. And that, in turn, gives us the opportunity as educators to assess their language in a meaningful way. Um, that would be through those performance tasks, which you know we hope are eventually not going to be performance. They're going to be actual proficiency of use of the language with those partner classes or with those community groups that they're interacting with. Are they language specific? Yes, um, there are 14 languages um, that are that have their own standards, and there are others that are being developed. Um, some of the African and less commonly taught languages are being developed. The people who develop those are those national associations of the language, of the specific language, like AATF or AATSP. Um, and so the less commonly taught have smaller groups to draw on, so it takes them a little bit longer, and it also takes the uh, collaborative board some uh, funding sources to be able to have this done. Are they available already? Yes, um, they're available online on the actual website. Um, there is a, a summary download of the World Readiness Standards for language, Learning Languages um, that can be downloaded. And then teachers and professors can purchase, uh, students too, of course, uh, can purchase a more expanded version with the candy statements, with performance indicators, with sample learning scenarios, and integrated performance assessments um, as either ebooks or in print. And all that's uh, noted on the actual website. Great. It's actfl.org. Thanks. Okay. Is there anything else going on? So we've got the new World Readiness Standards. Anything happening with curriculum? Um, well, I would say that um, the biggest thing with curriculum in change is making sure that the beginning of everything that happens, whether it's uh, designing the curriculum, the thematic units, the lessons, all come from a backward design okay. orientation that's setting specific functional language targets. That I think that is absolutely key. And those targets are, are targets that specify the topic that you're dealing with in a specific way and the text type, being what you expect to see or to hear in terms of either words or phrases or sentences, strings of sentences, whatever, um, from memorized language or from created language. Starting with those language targets and working backwards then to how do you get your kids to that point that's the biggest trend that's not going away. Okay. Um, the other things that uh, that are on 
the edge right now, and this is pretty much with initiatives that ACTFL is offering. Um, Lil, the Leadership um, Institute for Language Learning, is happening on July 21st through 23rd at the Ohio State campus in Columbus, Ohio. Um, this is open to anyone. Um, you can apply. The cost we have kept down as low as we can with uh, possible dorm rooms for the three days or a uh, hotel if you prefer. Um, it is focusing on becoming a more effective teacher and focusing on specifically two core practices, learning to apply leadership strategies hmm. to make you a better educator, repairing leaders with uh, emerging leaders with practitioners to help them become those more effective teachers with some leadership qualities. And then there is the Languages and Literacy Initiative that ACTL sponsors. Um, in this, we're looking for teachers to form teams of five to ten educators to collaborate and develop model units or lessons for diverse learners. And these can be either discipline-specific or interdisciplinary, depending upon membership of the team. Um, and with a focus on advancing an innovative idea around developing literacy. They're going to have these cohorts work with um, leaders at Axel and to have uh, access to myriad resources, webinars, and, and other things, and focus on that literacy core. Um, another element is the state advocacy teams, and this is so important. I've seen so many states develop teams that participate in these monthly webinars that ACTL sponsors that have been able to get things done, like the passing of the biliteracy seal in their legislature. Um, so if Kentucky people want to organize um, through KWA to have a state advocacy team, all you have to do is tune into the webinar. Let um, Marty Abbott or I know who's on the team and we'll get you access to that webinar and help you with how to contact legislators, um, what issues are the burning ones, and how to focus your arguments. Wow. We, um, Axel also has, of course, the usual publications, the Language Educator and Foreign Language Annals. Uh, we have the Keys to the Classroom, Keys to Planning, and the Integrated Performance Assessment books. Plenty of things on the website. Um, lots going on now. There's, there's a lot to be excited about. And from my point of view, that includes the conference in November. Um, we have the conference at San Francisco, sorry, San Diego, um, at the Marriott Hotel in San Diego in November, and our conference theme is Inspire, Engage, Transform. And to that end, we have a fabulous keynote speaker. I think people will enjoy hearing Rick Steves talk about the politics of travel. And then we have the Inspire plenary uh, session is just going to focus on one speaker, and that's Louis Van On, the creator of Duolingo. Are huh. um, I think the tech, techies in the group will really enjoy that. Yeah. And then we have an engage plenary that is going to feature Renata Schultz, a former German teacher who, after retirement, went to the Peace Corps in Mali and had um, a very interesting experience. She wrote a book about, and she's going to be talking about that. Um, Luis Hernandez, who was a Mexican intern with ACTL, has gone back to Mexico, and he's going to be Skyped in from Mexico talking about what he's doing there. And then Susan Candiotti, CNN reporter, is going to talk about how language affects the work of the journalist. 
So a lot, uh, a lot to be looking forward to at that conference. Yeah, it sounds like a great conference. Yeah. Could we go back to the language and literacy team for a second? Sure. So the goal of these is not just literacy as in reading and writing, right? We're talking literacy as in all your skills. Absolutely, absolutely. Literacy in terms of um, media literacy as in um, not just the reading and the writing, but the, the literacy involved in communication, um, the literacies around content areas. Um, yeah, it, it's the broad view. So one of the, I don't know that the word concerns or, or maybe hot button issues that people are talking about is because of the revised standards, um, there is this perception that if the language classroom has to focus on culture as much as it does on language, that students will not be able to make as much progress because we'll be taking out part of language content and putting in culture content. So how would you address that? Well, I would, I would suggest uh, that's a misinterpretation for sure. Um, there is not an increased focus on culture. Culture should be embedded in, in everything we do. Um, if we're using authentic materials, that's culture. Uh, it is, it's just a, a refocusing of how we look at learning language through culture. It's not shifting from teaching about teaching language to teaching about culture. It's teaching language through culture so that every aspect of what we do in the classroom, whether it's um, reading a, a printed text or looking at um, a commercial advertisement, viewing part of a film, taking part in a conversation um, with a partner class, it should all be focused around the authenticity so the culture comes out naturally. Um, if you're teaching about culture in a direct approach to just teach culture, I think you've missed the mark because we're language teachers. We're teaching language. Culture is coming to it naturally. If you want to teach about, as, as I did often as a, a world language teacher of French, um, you know, artists, the uh, the Impressionists, let's say, they're very popular, or Spanish class, Diego Rivera, Frida Kahlo. You don't do a separate lesson on just them. You do a lesson that is language-oriented that brings out that culture of the painting and then the analysis. And you can do it at a low level as you're just using um, pictures uh, from the paintings to develop the spoken articulation of colors and description, um, of describing scenes, of describing gender, whatever. Um, but you can also then use it at a very high level when you get to an analysis of looking at perspectives. Political perspectives can come through those paintings as well. But you're using that culture as a means to teach the language. Thanks, that helps. And that actually kind of transitions into the next topic, which is instructional practice, right? right. Because that's a concrete example of taking the standards and putting them in the classroom. So do you see any um, strategies or practices that are particularly important uh, as we move forward from presentations anywhere in your travels around the uh, United States? Um, well, perhaps a couple of things. Nicole Navis is our Teacher of the Year, um, the toy for Axel, and she's been doing 
lots of presentations on the effective use of technology. And this is not just using technology as uh, something that comes in to spurt interest in the student. It's using it, again, for that real purpose. So if you're going to have kids um, present something, you might want to have them do it with an avatar through a Vokey, um, you know, so that the means of presenting becomes more oriented toward what they're used to and what they like, but also gets across the communicative aspect. Um, the other things I would say, again, looking at the text type that you're using and how you're focusing on building from one level to the next. If you are a teacher of a level one class, your focus at the moment is probably going to be the novice high level of proficiency. You want to get your kids to that, to be able to, to speak in phrases and short sentences um, about topics they're familiar on, but you want to give them that I plus one lift. You want to give them that little extra push um, that they can try to do it in creative languages or try to do it in strings of sentences. Um, if you're at the intermediate level and you want to bump them up within that level, you're going to push them. You're going to push them to think a little bit more toward narrative. You're going to get them to use those time frames. You're going to, little by little, strategically insert the types of activities and questioning that build up those skills. The questioning techniques, I think, are something, that's something that we haven't focused on enough. If teachers look at the way they're asking questions or asking students to perform, we often ask in the novice level. And so what do we get? We get novice level responses. If we want students to be able to speak in sentences, then we have to ask them sentences at that intermediate level. So asking them to tell me more about something, or can you describe a little bit more about how this and this happens, or describe why you do this, or can you compare how this is with that? Um, it, Rather than giving them a yes-no question or a one-word answer question um, or a discrete fact answer question. What proficiency testing is out there to help teachers and learners know what le uh, proficiency level of language learners at? Really important to know. There is, of course, the um, tested stamp test. And then for the past couple years, we've had also the Apple test, which has now had enough um, testing and reliability factor to it. Um, the, both the stamp and the Apple report on the proficiency scale. They assess them all the modes of communication. Um, Apple does break down the reporting a little bit more into not, not just the sub-levels, like lot, not as low, mid, high, um, but novice one, two, three, four, um, and the same for some intermediate. So it gives the teacher a really good idea of what the student can do reported on those scales. So that helps you in your learning targets do as you well get, as understanding what the learners can do. Does the learner get specific feedback as to what they can do, or is it pretty generic for the proficiency level? 
Um, it's, it's more feedback for the teacher, but also for the learner, and it is becoming more specific. And I know that um, Apple is getting some specific feedback, but also Stamp is revamping itself, and I think they're going to uh, come up with more to mirror the Apple test, which is a little bit uh, more uh, friendly for students with the use of avatars for the speaking. Okay. And uh, what languages is Apple? Oh, uh, I knew you were going to ask me that, and I would say look at the Apple website the, um, and the actual link to it um, to get specific languages because I I don't want to say a language that they're testing that isn't necessarily in there right now that okay. they're piloting. So I would say suggest just check the website for that. Well, you mentioned already on advocacy that there's the state advocacy teams. Is there anything else that a teacher can get involved with um, to either save a program or just promote world languages? Um, my advice to teachers always is get involved in the community in any way you can and use whatever vehicle you find to promote it. Um, this can be from, you know, when you're going to your pediatrician, asking if you could, you know, put some literature about your program out on the table. Um, or if you belong to the National Network for Early Language Learners, NEL, um, would he like a copy of the, the NEL publication in his office? Um, you know, talking to people at community groups like Rotary Club that has historically been very supportive of language talking to them about what's going on in the schools. And if your language program is having some difficulty, if, you're, if your administrators are looking at canceling your program, of course, talking to the community members, talking to your parents, trying to garner support, always in a positive way, not in a negative way, and pointing out the, the links between language and building a better America, building a more competitive America internationally, creating that international mindset, and building kids' literacies and competencies in the general skills that come through the core academic subjects, because we do that as well. Right. It's, Jackie, that's great advice, and your overall understanding of what's happening nationally is just I'm in awe of you right now. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you and your dedication to improve teachers' and instructional practices and increase students' language proficiency is just admirable. So thank you. And thank you for representing Kentucky so well. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for doing this, these podcasts, which I think are really helping to inform teachers. Teachers are doing a great job, and we're all, as we know, lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. So we're all trying to improve every step of the way. If anybody has any questions, um, you know, more for you, how can they get a hold of you? Um, they can email me at my Jefferson County email address, um, Jackie, J-C-Q-U-E dot Van Houten at Jefferson dot K-Y schools dot U-S. Thank you so much, Jackie, and have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now for the polyglotting news. Jean Marie, what can you share from our university partners? Summer's the time when many language teachers are researching resources for our classrooms and looking for professional development opportunities for the upcoming year. We need your ideas and contributions on professional development, resources, and events related to world language. 
Koala's site features the Outreach Clearinghouse, which is a site designed to share information among universities and colleges and schools, but more importantly, among teachers, so we can help each other. Please send me or Laura your suggestions or recent discoveries that can help teachers across the state. Our emails are on the Outreach site, www.koala.org forward slash O-C-H dot S-H-T-M-L. There are several world language curricular updates at the University of Kentucky. The Foreign Language and International Economics major, which is a joint program based in the departments of Modern and Classical Languages, Literatures, and Cultures, Hispanic Studies, and Economics, combines study in economics with proficiency in a second language and prepares students for futures in government, international relations, law, multinational corporations, and local or international industries. Tracks are available in Arabic, Chinese, both new, French, German, Japanese, Russian, and Spanish, with Italian in development. More information is available on mcl.as.uky.edu. Plus, both Spanish and modern and classical languages are participating in a new version of the University Scholars Program, which allows a student to get a BA and an MA in an accelerated time frame, either four or five years. The four-year version is available for students who enter UK with 15 to 30 AP or dual language credits in the languages of classics, French, German, and Spanish. You can find more information on the MCL site or on Hispanic Studies website. Finally, after a successful inaugural year, MCLLC and Hispanic Studies are looking forward to 2015-16's World Language Open House for juniors and seniors from across the state who will be able to visit campus, participate in world language, literature, and culture classes, and meet faculty and students studying the 11 languages we offer at UK. Wonderful. An update from the KWLA board. The 2015 showcase and competition was a huge success. With around 200 participants from all over the state, students showed what they could do with language and showed it well. We've also wrapped up our regional spring PD sessions, which had 65 participating teachers from around the state. Our call for proposals for the 2015 fall conference has ended, and the conference committee is working through scoring the proposals according to the rubric that was stated on the website. Session and workshop descriptions will be available when conference registration opens, which will be June 1, and will run through September 11th. The conference itself will be a winner. This year it's held on September 24th through 26th at the Triple Crown Conference Pavilion at the Ramada Plaza Hotel in Louisville. You certainly don't want to miss keynote speaker in 2015, ACTFL Teacher of the Year, Nicole Nadiz. We all wish you a restful and relaxing summer break. This wraps, up, this wraps up our podcast on national updates. I wish to thank my co-host, Jean Marie, for joining us, Jackie Van Houten for sharing her wonderful insights, and the University of Kentucky for providing the technology, location, and broadcasting of our podcast. This is Laura Roche-Youngworth for Language Talk, KWLA, saying au revoir and happy teaching. <laughs>